you, you get nervous when guys aren't getting chances and looks. I think they've both been getting a lot of opportunities, a lot of looks. Johnny's uh, still being really dynamic with the puck, making making really good plays, and we know we know those guys are gonna you know gonna put up uh, numbers every year. But more importantly for us, we're we're worried about our team game and um, getting on a roll here and feeling good about ourselves. That's the biggest story around here. Gaudreau and Monaghan and a lack of goals. That's Mark Giordano, the captain, ahead of tonight's game against the Florida Panthers. Says, no, no, nothing to worry about. It's fine. But Gaudreau hasn't scored in six consecutive games. Monaghan hasn't scored since game two of the season. He's got nine straight without a goal. And, Will, I know you talked to Lou about this earlier today, but the fact that that line isn't getting the job done and that line other than Lindholm who has been scoring and leads the team in goals but as a line probably specifically five on five hasn't been generating offense anywhere near enough uh that's why one of the big stories and one of the big things that a lot of people around here are interested in for tonight's game is what these line combinations might look like. They practiced a certain way this morning, and Bill Peters said after his time on the ice that they've got to change and they're ready to make changes, and, and they might do just that. And if the coach is ready to juggle things up to wake up his group, then that gives you a pretty good idea as to how uh, unsatisfied they are with the overall five-on-five play right now and and how much offense they're generating and coming off a 5-3 loss to the Washington Capitals on Tuesday night I I am fascinated to see how this plays out well I am fascinated to see what they start with how quickly what they start with might change and I'm I'm curious to see if this has been a message sent to uh, some of his top performers how quickly that message is received yeah and and I, I guess my problem is that line's not going. You look to other guys to perhaps get other ones going, and Lindholm seems to be the guy scoring the most of those three. And if you move him off that line, all due respect to Sam Bennett and put him there, is that really going to get Gaudreau and Monaghan going? I don't know. My biggest concern right now for the Flames is circled with number 13. It begins and ends there. I know Monaghan has only two goals, and Tobias Reeder, a guy who snapped a 75-game goalless streak, has one fewer goal than Sean Monaghan, who has three 30-goal seasons in six NHL years so far to begin his career. That's a big red flag for me. And um, I, I know come playoff time, it was one of the biggest criticisms. And Pat, quite frankly, through 11 games, even though he's got nine points, I feel Gaudreau is playing a little too tentative. He is not hard on pucks. He is easy to defend right now. Um, and and even, you know, I think for a lot of people around the league, they've caught on to what Gaudreau does best and what makes him effective. And mm-hmm. I still think he is a guy who can create space for himself. Um, he is very dynamic, especially going east to west across the ice. But I think that's why you're seeing the lack of production on that line. Even though Monahan's the center, even though Lindholm's the guy you trust in every situation, especially positionally, Gaudreau's the guy who drives that line. And right now, Gaudreau is not effective. Um, and I think that was uh, b- very plain and clear and obvious Tuesday against Washington. That's why you're seeing these potential changes going. Um, but I, I don't know. To me, I guess my, my entire point is, Pat, I don't care who's on that line. If Johnny Gaudreau isn't picking up his game, there's going to be a lack of production from their two top offensive guys. Well, and and look, I'll, I'll 
give Monahan some credit. He's he's really uh, improved a lot of his overall game. We don't know that, but it, because it's only eleven games in, but it sure does look like he's improved a lot of his overall game, and and it sure does look like he's really committed himself to becoming a better all-round player. We we've talked a lot about how improved he is in the face-off dot, and I think it goes beyond that. I think it goes beyond just the face-offs. I think he's been more engaged physically. I think he's been more willing and less hesitant to engage uh, physically in the defensive zone and use his. Body body to uh, cut off cycles and, and engage with the other center down low and, and and that's been very noticeable and I know that the offense hasn't necessarily been there for Monaghan but by and large I've liked his game. Six points in 11 games is a little lower production wise but I'm quite confident that if Monaghan continues to do those things and the little things continue to be a big time focus for him and he doesn't get away from it to try to cheat for offense, then the offense is going to come. And and we already see we already see that with Lindholm, right? I mean, Lindholm is one of those guys who absolutely has the little things all sewn up and make sure that those are priority in his game and the offense is there and he's scoring. He's got 6 and 11 uh so far this year, but I'm with you. The guy that has not looked quite on the pace and the guy that has not looked quite at his optimal is Johnny Gaudreau. And, and there have been games where he's looked very good, but they're specifically at 5-on-5. Five five, he just does not seem to be anywhere near as effective as we know he can he can be. And, and I think part of that, uh, what you just talked about is true. Uh, I do think the teams are, are very aware of what his strengths are and go out of their way to try and limit those strengths and say, okay, what else you got? And, and right now, I don't think the what else you got has been enough. Um, he's still extremely dangerous and has remained extremely dangerous on the power play, but the, the area that I would be, I don't know if it's concerned, and I'm curious where you are, Will. Is it, is it concern? Is it worry? Or is it just observation and knowing it hasn't been good enough? For me, it's the latter. I, I'm not necessarily concerned because we're 11 games in, but I certainly recognize that he hasn't been good enough, and specifically at 5-on-5, five five, Gaudreau has not been as much of an impact maker as he is needed to be, as we've seen from him in the past, and as he's paid to be. So is it concerning to you, or, or is it still too early for that? No, it's definitely still too early. It's like any slump I mean really uh, he had six points in his first three games of the year he's had three points in the eight games since it's the same as the start of a baseball season when a guy's got a batting average that looks abysmal and you're like what's what's going on he's for Johnny Gaudreau has not forgotten how to play hockey or how to produce yeah. points so I'm, I'm not worried about it um, but I, I do think he needs to dig in a little bit digging his heels in and I think he's aware of that um, I, I I don't think I'm telling secrets when I, I would suggest that Johnny Gaudreau is very much a guy who looks at statistics and looks at his numbers I think he knows what type of quote-unquote slump he's in right now um, he will break out very soon in one of these games and, and I think Bill Peters even talked about that Tuesday uh, with that clip that we played at about guts of the game, guts of the game. These guys are, are going through a bit of a slump, but it's not like we're all of a sudden panicking that they're going to finish the year with 30 points. So, um, yeah, I, I think for me it's the latter as well. 
Um, but we're going to start to need to, to see some things, and I'll be curious how long Bill Peters or how short that leash is because he has not been shy about talking about changes. I think they begin the game the way they skated in pregame skate uh, or, or morning skate today. Yep. And, you know, I, I think five, six minutes in as everybody's got two or three shifts under their belt, depending on penalties. Um, I'll be very curious to see what type of juggling or how busy that blender is behind the bench for Bill Peters. So here's what we can tell you. By the way, welcome to the Steinberg Show. Happy Thursday and happy game day brought to you by South Point Toyota. It's the Flames and the Florida Panthers tonight at 7 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan Sportsnet West is where you can find this game on television tonight. So what did the lines look like at morning skate? Well, I can tell you they looked like this. Uh, Sean Monaghan, Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm together. Uh, Michael Backlund, Matthew Kachuk back on the line with Michael Froelich. Uh, Sam Bennett will return to the lineup tonight after missing a pair of games with a lower body injury. He'll play with Derek Ryan and Andrew Mangiapane. And finally, Mark Jankowski with Milan Lucic and Austin Zarnik. On the back, Jordano Brody, Hannafin Hamannick, Shillington Anderson. Oliver Shillington returns to the lineup after missing a couple of games. One of those games he was in the American League for, uh, and the uh, other he was uh, obviously uh, up, but Michael Stone played in his place on Tuesday. David Riddick gets the start in net for Calgary. Sergei Bobrovsky goes in net for the Florida Panthers this evening. Those are your or lines from morning skate, but yeah, I, I'm I'm curious if a if that's the way they start, and if that is the way they start, as you just said, and and I think that I think that that's you know probably a good bet. If that is the way they start, then how do they finish? And if they finish differently, how quickly is that change made? I, I'm I'm really interested to see because maybe maybe the maybe the change in the back pocket is there and and it's ready to be pulled out in if, in case you need it. Maybe it's good to go right off the hop. I don't know, but I think just the fact that the coach is bringing it up and and talking about it publicly is a message in and of itself to his group. And I would imagine that that message has been delivered behind closed doors as well, saying, hey, guys, I'm, I'm ready to change this up. This is what I'm ready to change it to if you want to stay together. And I think it's probably that message directly to the top line. If you want to stay together, you better go out and show me something early on. So that's uh, that's the number for me. That's the, the number one story that I'm watching and, and the most interesting thing about an October 24th game between the Flames and the Florida Panthers. I, I really want to see how this plays out. Yep, me too. Um, so we are getting set for this game tonight. Seven o'clock face-off right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Uh, he is Will. I am Pat. Welcome to today's Steinberg Show. Hopefully your uh, Thursday is going along well. By the way, tomorrow's show will be coming at you live from Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, I uh, will not be on the air at this time tomorrow uh, because I will still be in transit from Calgary to Regina. Uh, but uh, we will have from 2 to 6, Pender and Steinberg from our hotel in Regina. We have got a special show planned for you Saturday uh, from the stadium. And, uh, of course, the Heritage Classic, the Flames and the... Winnipeg Jets from Regina. Uh, that is on Saturday night at eight o'clock. So here is um, here is something that that I needed to bring up as as we talk about the Heritage Classic on Saturday. Uh, I made sure I put this clip in late so that Will didn't hear it in advance because I think he'll enjoy it uh, when he hears it for the first time. So yesterday on the program it was an off day and the Flames were generous enough and Mark Giordano was generous enough to come on in here and and talked at 1 o'clock to kick off the program about his uh, experience in the first Heritage Classic.
Classic back in 2011. The Flames beat the Montreal Canadiens for nothing. It was a uh, a really great afternoon at McMahon Stadium. It was just the second outdoor game ever played in Canada by the NHL. Uh, it was the first year that the NHL did two outdoor games in the same year. I believe it was only the eighth time period that they had done one of these outdoor games. So it was it was a very special day. And I brought Giordano in, and, and I had texted Dalton at the Flames, Dalton Ulrich, one of the outstanding Dick Dillman Award-winning uh, PR men here at the Flames. I had texted, uh, I had texted Dalton, I said, Hey, would I be able to talk to Gio in studio? Uh, he's uh, he's the only guy who played in that Heritage Classic in 2011. Um, and I had I had just done a quick little scan. I went went to NHL.com and I did a quick little hit the event summary, just a quick little scan as to who's played. And the first guy that popped out at me is Mark Giordano. And I, I didn't scan it very closely, so I texted Dalton. I go, um, hey, can I talk to Gio? He was the only guy in there. I bring Gio in. We're doing the interview. Um, and it, it comes to my attention as I'm scanning through it while we're talking I'm like and I didn't really think it didn't really register as a big deal at the time because you know I, I I wasn't making a big deal that he was the only guy I was more just talking we were reflecting on the game um, but I had neglected somebody so Michael Backlund played in that game and as about halfway through the interview you should put your headphones on for this but halfway through the interview um, I I'm like oh yeah Backlund played in that game too but you know I was like uh, and, and a couple of texters had brought it up too but I'm like okay well it's not a big deal we'll just continue on with the interview and then we'll mention it after the fact <laughs> apparently not so much because uh, it got back to Backlund and this uh, so at first at first um, it was Dalton who was getting a hard time for it. Dalton went to Gio, said, hey, Pat, you're the only guy, and that got to back. and said, well, I played in that game too. What the hell? So Dalton was getting a rough ride. I'm like, so as he would say, it was, wasn't me. It was Steinberg is the one who told me. And so it's like, yeah, I, I put my hand up. This is definitely on me. So Dal- I wasn't even thinking about it. I'm in the locker room today. Dalton comes up to me with this big grin on his face. He goes, you got me in a lot of uh, – trouble uh i'm like what are you talking about he's like don't oh, he use man. the word trouble but continue. he did not use the word trouble so, so you got me in a lot of trouble and i'm like what are you talking about and then he tells me i'm like oh my god because i had, i knew that i had made the mistake already and but you know i corrected it afterwards and just went on with the day and i was like well maybe i'll catch backs at at the the game sometime on the friday or the saturday in regina <laughs> so he so Dalton tells me, it's like, yeah, the guys are giving me a hard time. Backlund was giving me a hard time. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, man. Like, it was my bad. Anyway, Wills decides to talk to Backlund for his pregame interview today. Um, and I'm going to uh, play a little bit of Derek Wills and Michael Backlund from this morning in the locker room because uh, I thought this was uh, I thought this was quite funny, and, and I got what I deserved. Here's Derek Wills in conversation with Michael Backlund. I know that you and the Flames are focused on tonight's game against the Panthers, but uh, looking ahead to Saturday night, uh, the Tim Hortons Heritage Classic at Mosaic Stadium in Regina, you'll play against the Jets. I know you've played an outdoor game before. What's your experience with them? Yeah, Steinberg forgot that yesterday. That's why we were laughing. See, we're, we're good teammates, right? We've got each yeah. other's back. Dal- Dalton's yeah. got your back, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, I heard Pal yesterday on the radio. I didn't remember I was in the last outdoor game. So I'm a little upset this morning, but it's okay. It was a great time, though. I really, I, I remember it. I had a really good time, I guess. 
Pat didn't no- notice me that game, but uh, yeah, yeah, I did play twelve. Actually, it's true. Yeah. I was comfortable on the bench, though. It was really warm. <laughs> I heard the bench was the warmest place, actually. Yeah, it was. It was great. It was uh, some good heaters there, so I was really comfortable that night. Uh, I heard Kipper wasn't as comfortable, but yeah, he still played really well. But yeah, great memories from that game, and I'm really excited for Saturday. So there you go. Um, that is right from Michael Backlund. Uh, yes. So I do have some apologies to hand out. I apologize to Backlund. I apologize. I went up to Gio afterwards. I apologized to him. I'm like, cause Gio was getting the gears from Backlund. I'm like, I apologize that I screwed you with that. Uh, and he's like, Oh no, it's fine. Like uh, I was giving it back to Backlund. Like, were you even on that team? Like where I, did you even play the full season that year? Uh, and Backlund did only play 12 minutes, but it's still my omission. And so apologies to Backlund. I apologize to him. Apologize to Giordano. And most importantly, apologies to Dalton because I inadvertently threw him under the bus. So Dalton is one of the best in the business. Um, a tip of the hat to him. I, uh, I threw you under the bus inadvertently, and I apologize sincerely. And I am here to be accountable when I'm a dummy, and uh, I was certainly a dummy yesterday. So apologies there. Last thing I'll say about today's game, um, I will say this about the Florida Panthers. If Sergei Bobrovsky turns into the goaltender that he has been in the past, if he gets back to being the guy that we're used to well, Sergei Bobrovsky and the Florida Panthers are going to be an absolute handful. This team is really good. 4-2-3 and three to start the year, but Bobrovsky's only at 878. If Bobrovsky rebounds, and, and we're talking in January, and he's at 914, I think we're going to be talking about the Panthers fighting with Toronto and Tampa and, and Buffalo maybe at the top of that, and Boston, uh, in, that, in that mix in the Atlantic Division. This is a really good Panthers team. They've got good forwards. I think they could use one more piece on the back, but I don't mind that blue line. But it all comes down to Bobrovsky. I think this Panthers team is really good, and I think this Panthers team could be a handful for the next few years, especially if they can get the goaltending that they paid for over the summer. Yeah, I mean, the goaltending is everything for this team. They're a a, a sexy pick preseason for a lot of people, and part of that was the signing of Bobrovsky. I don't love that contract, though, and I don't know... You know, what what does he get back to? Obviously, last year, a bit of a down year. Great second half for him to get that to 913. Um, Obviously, a two-time Vesna Trophy winner, so it's not like we're talking about a guy who's going to fall off the cliff. But what does Bobrovsky look like with this Panther team? And and I do think if they get goaltending, bringing in Joel Quenville, um, knowing, you know, the the types of steps that Barkov has taken to be an elite center, Huberto's a forgotten man with this club. Um, they've got a, you know so many good pieces that I, I yeah I would be stunned at this point if they didn't make the playoffs even as a wild card team uh, because obviously they're in that spot only nine games but in that wild card spot with eight seventy eight goaltending so um, I, I think that tells you how good this team can be and and uh, I think there's a lot to like with this Florida Panther team but a lot of it is hinged on Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, so. The Panthers have played some good hockey of late. Uh, they're actually 4-0-2 in their last six games. They've only lost twice in regulation in their first nine, 4-2-3 to start the year. They've scratched out some points, and uh, they've picked up points in six consecutive, 4-0-2. Uh, this is a pretty good group. Hoffman's off to a great start. Huberdeau's off to a great start. Barkov doesn't have a goal, but... Uh, the reigning Lady Bing winner has eight points in his first uh, nine games. It's a good team. 
It's a good team. We're going to see Bobrovsky tonight. We'll see what he's all about. A couple of texts at 960-960. Luke writes, Pat, will you guys be broadcasting from the parking lot or something in Regina? If so, I'm going to hassle you. I believe we're at the fan event. I believe it's called the pregame is what they actually call it, is where we'll be from 2 until 6 o'clock on Saturday. Um, so I believe we have that uh, all set to go. Um Guys, there's nothing good about Regina other than two things. Number one, it rhymes with a funny place. And uh, number two, Victoria's Tavern, best food and drink in that dump. So there you go. Victoria's Tavern is something that we have been. uh, Thank you very much, uh, 5952. Somebody asked, wasn't Brody around for that game? Brody was in the city for the Heritage Classic. But he was not with the Flames. He was on the Abbotsford Heat on the Friday night ahead of the 2011 Heritage Classic. Brody played for the Abbotsford Heat here at the Scotiabank Saddledome against the Oklahoma City Barons. Uh, were you doing that game? Uh, I he, called that game. You called that game? So it was the Barons who are the Oilers affiliate and obviously the Abbotsford Heat. And Brody was on that team. I believe Oklahoma City won by a 3-1 score. There was a night. great fight. I can't remember who it was. I'm going to go look at the game sheet now. But there was a massive tilt in front of... You know, a very meager crowd of the Saddletones. It's like 8,000 people here, which is meager compared to an NHL crowd. For an American League crowd, though, 8,000 people's not bad. They also had the alumni game on the Saturday. That got about 10,000 people at McMahon, 41,000 people for the Heritage Classic itself on the Sunday, then more than 20,000 people on the Monday afternoon for the Calgary Hitmen and the Regina Pats. They made the thing into a whole weekend. It was pretty cool to see, actually. Uh, so I thought I'd answer that question as well. Um Don't forget to tune in on Mondays for the Eric Francis Show, which is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing is back Saturdays, Sundays, and holiday Mondays at Century Downs. Racetrack and Casino goes from 9 until 10 on Mondays. Get you some handicapping tips for this weekend in the NFL and a whole lot more. Chris Abbott from Odd Shark up next. It's the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com Welcome back to the Scotiabank Saddledome. Let's say hello to Chris Abbott from Odd Shark. Get you up to date on the week ahead in the NFL. Week 8 starts tonight with the Washington Redskins and Minnesota Vikings going in Minnesota. Lots to talk about from the NFL, some NHL as well. Let's just win you some money with Chris Abbott from Odd Shark who joins us on Thursdays. Hello Mr. Abbott, how are you pal? I'm good, Pat. How are you doing today? Who's wooing in the background there? That's, uh, that's, pin- money? that's Pinder in the background. He wants you to win him some money, I think, is, is, the, main, uh, is the main point. So a lot of pressure, Chris. I will, listen, I want to make him money. I want to make a lot of people money. Most importantly, Pat, I want to make me money. Come on. <laughs> good point like you're the most important guy because uh you're you're playing this stuff on a daily basis let's let's get into it week eight nfl starts tonight thursday night football washington minnesota vikings favored by 17 the totals 42 how do you look at this one tonight uh yeah real big number here for minnesota this number was at about 16 16 and a half all week it's ticked up to 17 today And I think they're just fine. Thank you very much. Minnesota's been the best team on home field this year. They're beating teams by an average of about this amount. And that doesn't even bring into the conversation the fact that they're playing a team that is headed for number one overall on draft day. Not certainly this year. They're going for the draft. 
So I think this is going to be an absolute blowout for the Vikings. One thing, if you want to, is maybe to cut the points down. You can bet Minnesota in the first half. The spread in the first half is 10 points. They're the number one team at home in first half scoring at 22 points per game at home. They're number four in the league overall in first half scoring. So that might be somewhere you can uh, get the jump on the woeful Redskins. Yeah, it's not it's not the um, sexiest of matchups if you're not putting money down, but uh, you can make any bad football game a fun football game if you've got a little something riding on it, and that's how you can make Washington Minnesota a little bit more fun tonight. Um, what else? Let's let's take a look at some of the other week eight games. I'm I'm curious about your thought on Arizona in New Orleans. Uh, last check in most books, Saints at home favored by ten and a half, but Saints have not been getting a lot of respect in the last few weeks from a lot of the odds makers in fact they've been underdogs the last couple of weeks they're not this week they're favored by almost 11 but is is this the Saints finally getting some respect or is this just a home game against an inferior opponent how do you look at this one well I think they're getting a little bit of respect I think they earned it last week like I had Chicago in that game and New Orleans absolutely trounced them that had some to do with New Orleans but a whole lot to do with the Chicago Bears as well Um, New Orleans injury report is pretty large, but uh, some really interesting ones. Jared Cook updated to questionable from out, which he was last week. Eli Apple questionable. And it's possible Drew Brees plays in this game. So that is all huge news for New Orleans. On the other side of it, Arizona's won three in a row, but it's been over three of the worst teams in the league, Cincinnati, Atlanta, and the Giants. This game is in New Orleans. The New Orleans defense has been outstanding. So uh, they probably will cover the spread in this game. Okay. Um, Denver and Indianapolis, the Colts are minus five and a half at home to this Broncos team. Yeah, this is one of my favorite games of the week for uh, the favorite at home in Indianapolis. They've looked really, really good. And probably more importantly, Denver has looked really, really bad. And uh, Joe Flacco doesn't appear to even want to be out there anymore. It was embarrassing what happened on Thursday night football last week. And this Colts team is believing, man. They think they can win this division. They're 8-2 and two against the spread in their last 10 against Denver. Uh, take that for what you will, but it's still a, a big number. I think Marlon Mack has a real big day against this Denver team. I think they're checked out. They traded off a couple players this week. Um, I love Indianapolis here. Philadelphia and Buffalo, a uh, minus 2.5 point spread for the Bills on home field. I, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but I kind of think that the Bills are being a little bit undervalued. They played yeah. a tight game with Miami last week. Um, I don't think it needed to be that tight. I think it's it's good for if you're betting on them this week that they did have a close game with Miami last week so they don't kind of just waltz into this game with Philadelphia, who, by the way, has looked absolutely terrible on both sides of the ball the last few weeks. Um, I've got to take the Bills here, minus two. I hate to take all the favorites, but uh, it's not a great week for underdogs. Okay, and, do, and, and would that would that trend continue with the Chargers in Chicago? It actually wouldn't. First of all, nice. I'm not placing a dime on this game, but if I was going to, if I was going to, gun to my head scenario, I would take the Chargers at plus four. Like, that's not a bad number. I think the Chargers have a more capable offense, even though they're easy to make fun of. It's not been good for Mitch Trubisky. Chicago's defense has been lit up two games in a row. And uh, I think at plus four, this is uh, this is a good spot for the Chargers. Okay. So there you go. I called your one underdog. I like it. I feel good about myself. You did, actually. And to be honest with you, my second one, and I don't really have a good reason to back this up, would be the Dolphins on Monday night. They're getting two touchdowns at Pittsburgh. 
They haven't been absolutely brutal their last couple of games, so I, I, I don't mind the Dolphins Monday night. Okay, I like that. He's uh, he's Chris Abbott from Odd Shark. Joined us on Thursdays to uh, get you the latest on the NFL and uh, look ahead to some of our other sporting events on the weekend. Hey, I, I want to switch gears with you to the NHL, Chris. The Buffalo Sabres uh, are a team that you have underlined. They're, they're making some people some money right now. This has been a very profitable Sabres team so far. How come? Uh, well, I, I had to do a double take today because there's so much going on in the world of sports. Obviously, the World Series, the NBA started this week. And I looked down, and the Buffalo Sabres are in first overall in the National Hockey League. I'm going to have to go back to the research books, but that hasn't happened for a while, I don't think, not this late in the season. So they're, uh, they're making people about $700. Let me put it this way. If you bet $100 on every Sabres game so far, they've played 10 you'd have a profit of 700 So your 1000 would have turned into 1700 already. Um, yeah, and I'm betting on them tonight. They're minus 120 at the Rangers. I think the Rangers are getting overvalued. They've looked terrible, frankly, the last few days, uh, last few games, rather. And uh, Buffalo is just rolling right now, man. They're the most profitable team in the league to bet on. Okay, now we've got the Florida Panthers and Calgary Flames tonight here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. But this is this is a game between two teams that that you and the gang at Odd Shark are having a tough time wrapping your head around. There's it's it's been difficult to get a handle on both the Panthers and Flames, hey? Yeah, well, you look at a Flames team, they're 5-5 five, five and 1 overall, right? But if you bet $100 on every game, you wouldn't be even like their record is. You'd actually be down $224. That's because when they've been a favorite, uh, they may be winning a little bit, but not enough to sustain a profit. Same with Florida. Like we thought Florida was going to be better. They're under uh, the uh, the zero mark in terms of what you're making. Like they're four, two, and three. But if you bet a hundred bucks on each of their games, you'd be down eighty-four bucks. So they're they're both teams that I think everyone expected to probably be in a better position in the standings right now. And um, like hockey watchers who don't bet on it, betters are still trying to figure out what these teams are why haven't they been better yeah it's uh i know that's been a big time conversation around these parts mr abbott uh the uh, flames <laughs> in their uh average start to the season has not gone over so well to begin the year um let me let me finish with this you uh we always like to give something a little offbeat to finish it off a little uh uh off the beaten trail um you've got one that involves a uh, an upcoming comic book movie I, I like this one this uh you'll probably find some good action on this somewhere uh what can you tell us about a fun prop on the new batman movie yeah so uh all the talk has been about joker lately but there is a batman movie coming out i'm not sure exactly when but uh, Jason Alexander, George Costanza is the favorite to play the Penguin in the next Batman movie. And I got to be honest with you, some of the other folks on the list, they, uh, they don't. I don't. I'm not a big movie guy. Timothy Spall is three to one. Do you know who that is? I don't know who nope. that is. Nope. I'm Josh, useless to you there. Josh Gad is five to one. Um, let's get to some names we know. Danny DeVito twenty to one. Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen both thirty to one. Um, I think Jonah Hill has already turned it down, though, from what I understand, so that might not be a smart bet to make. Okay, so don't put money on Jonah Hill to be the new Penguin. Uh, noted. Uh, good stuff. <laughs> Appreciate it as always, Chris. We will talk to you on Thursday of next week, but thank you so much as always. Have a good weekend, my man. You too. Great talking with you, and uh, hey, go Flames tonight. 
hopefully they can make you some money tonight if you uh, put a little money down on them. That's Chris Abbott of Odd Shark. Go to oddshark.net for more. And look, if you're looking for expert advice and where to put your money, they're going to find you not only the right line but the right book because not every book's going to be the same. They've got analysts all over the map at oddshark.net. They are your one-stop shop for expert betting advice. Thanks to Chris Abbott who joins us every Thursday on the Steinberg Show. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and Find them at 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Steinberg Show continues around the corner with a special guest visit from Eric Dehatchek, usually on Hockey Central at noon on Thursdays. Today joins us live from Regina to get us set for the 2019 Heritage Classic. Eric Dehatchek next on the Steinberg Show, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires fifth welcome back to the steinberg show and a very special guest appearance on the steinberg show today with eric dehacek of the athletic of course you usually hear him 12 30s on thursday as part of hockey central at noon but mr dehacek was in transit to regina for Saturday's 2019 Heritage Classic, and Eric joins us on the line right now. You have landed safe and sound, I presume, Mr. Dehatchek? I'm here. I'm checked in. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I haven't been here that long, but the, the level of excitement. Uh, like, sometimes you go to these these major events. Like, I remember arriving in, in L.A. for the Outdoor Classic there, and the first 10 people you ask about it, they, they look at you blankly, right? So every single person that I've bumped into here knows about it, is excited about it, plans to attend, and, uh, you know, just about everything that you, like all of those stereotypes we have about, you know, and, and uh, uh, about hockey in Saskatchewan, I mean, I mean, they're all true, right? I mean, I wrote a long piece about that today, that the people here care. They care about the game, uh, you know, that there's, there's so much history of the game here in this province, and, and especially when it comes to, to outdoor hockey, right? I mean, it's one of those places... Uh, you know where it still gets cold in the winter and it stays cold and you can and you can have outdoor ice now having said that it's just a little bit above zero today and apparently it's going to be like 17 tomorrow when the teams are practicing so it's going to be warm and then of course saturday there's the concern about the wind so it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out weather-wise everything else about it i think is going to be spectacular and and so there you I, I tell us a little bit more about the buzz because that's that's really interesting to me and i I would suggest, and, and you're there, so you might have a better idea on it. But I, just the fact that it's a neutral site game, and this is not this is not something that happens every day in Regina. Like, of course, like you think that would make for a really big buzz in that town. Yeah, well, it, it, and that's how I would interpret it too, Pat. I, like there, you know, when when you you know, if you look, you're living in Calgary and the Flames play 82 regular season games every year, and there 41 of them are at home. You know, there, there. You know, if you don't go to, to tonight's game against Florida, you know, there's going to be another game. You know, like coming up after the road trip. So, so you know, like it, it's part of your social life to to, to go to, to Flames hockey if you're if you're a fan. But but there's always another one that comes along. And so this is different because this is an event. Like to me, this is the equivalent of you know seeing Fleetwood Mac uh, at the Dome in the you know second week of November. They're coming one time. And it might be the last time you ever see them. So if you want to see Stevie Nicks 
you know, sing Rhiannon one last time, you, you, you better go. And, and, you know, it's ridiculous what I pay for those tickets. But, you know, sometimes you just make those choices. So, so I, I think that it's, it's very similar to, to what's going on here. Uh, um, you know, just speaking to the people in the hotel, you know, they're all going. And why? Why are they going? Because it will be the only time that they're going to have an outdoor game here. And so, um, you know, you, you, you pay the, whatever the cost is and, and you enjoy it for, for what it is. And you get to watch regular season hockey. I mean, there have been six previous NHL games played in Saskatchewan. Uh, you have to be old enough to remember the era of the neutral site games when the NHL played an 84-game schedule, ill-advised in my opinion. And there was always two extra games tagged on that was designed to, to bump revenue. And, and so six of those games were played at, in Saskatoon. But there's never been a game here in Regina uh, for the regular season. I remember doing a Flames exhibition game here. I want to say it was 80, 81 um, and I only remember that because it was the first time I ever saw MTV in my life and in the bar that we were drinking and afterwards. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, I think that, you know, there's this whole issue about whether outdoor games are overexposed. This is the 28th one overall. And I think it's hard to go back to the well two or three times in a particular market. Like people go and they've been there once and, and it might not have the same level of excitement or buzz the second time around and that's why you know this game is here that's why colorado la is being played at the air force academy in colorado springs in in, mm. in february if it's a if it's the first time if it's and if it's going to be the only time people are going to make the effort to go out and watch tell me a little bit about your latest on the athletic eric because you you've written about this you, you talked about it about a couple minutes ago there but give us a little bit more insight because it's it's out today it just got published a couple of hours ago correct yeah. So basically, what happened was well, this goes back to, to training camp, and and you know I said to you know my editor at, at, at the Athletic, I said you know rather than just do the rudimentary, you know by the book outdoor game advance, you know I said let's look at let's examine Saskatchewan's place in, in sort of in the hockey pantheon. You know I mean there's there's a million different ways of, of looking at it. You know one is you know with, uh, those of us that were on that uh, committee that voted for the best 100 NHL players of all time i mean seven of them are from Saskatchewan and you say well you know seven out of 100 but this is a place that has 1.1 million people right so you know, it's four times the size of new england it's a quarter of the population of boston and yet it has produced you know seven people that are that are considered among the 100 greatest ever and then and that doesn't include like the the, the great legacy of of coaching, you know, like Dave King, Todd McClellan, you know, Barry Trotz went to, to, to Notre Dame, Mike Babcock's from Saskatchewan, um, you know, the, the, the Simpsons. Uh, I mean, it, it's incredible. Uh, you know, the, the, you know, Bill and Charles Hay are from here. Emil Francis, a general manager. I mean, when, when you go down through that, I, I haven't even mentioned Gordy Howe yet, right? So, so uh, you know, and that's what I wanted to examine, you know, how, how the game, it's not the birthplace of the game. But you really do feel every time you come through here, you feel the game's roots, right? And and that you know, and so that that was basically it. And so what ends up happening, Pat, is you flip open your Rolodex and you realize practically everybody I know is from Saskatchewan, right? You know, Dave King, Todd McCollin, you know, Gord Shervin, you know, him and Perry Bears and I go for lunch a couple of times every you know every three or four months. Um, you know, there's so many people that speak so eloquently about. The, you know the place of hockey in in the province, and I and I, I tweeted this out earlier today that that I got it got to the point where I had to stop talking to people about it because I was getting so much good stuff, and then it was a matter of wrestling it into you know I think four thousand words or whatever it is that I published. It was fun, you know, and it's getting good reaction. You know, social media, as you well know, can can sometimes be a 
um, a, a, a challenging place. But uh, but it seems that for the most part, people seem to have, uh, are, are enjoying this. And I think that you know, if you're ever going to write about Saskatchewan's place in in the hockey world order, this is the weekend to do it, right? Because the NHL, the focus yep. is going to be here. Hockey night in Canada is going to be here. You know, the, the two team, the two NHL teams from the neighboring provinces are going to be here. There's a luncheon with Gary Bettman tomorrow. You know, Mark Chipman, John Bean are coming. I mean, it, it's you know, the, the 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 attention of of the hockey world will be on this place you know, through this weekend. And so, so yeah, that's, that was the, you know, why I wrote the piece that I did and, and why it's been published right now. He is Eric DeHatchek of The Athletic joining us here on the Steinberg Show this afternoon. You were talking, I know, even on Tuesday when you joined Will and Kelly, and, and certainly you and I were talking down here at the Saddledome a couple of days ago. You were raving about the outdoor game at Dodger Stadium. Uh, why Why is that the one? Because you've been to, like, geez, double digits of these outdoor games. It's kind of old hat for you, yet you, you really pinpoint that one. How come the yeah. one at Dodger Stadium was so special? Uh, you know, I mean, it's a great question, Pat, and I suppose it comes down to the fact that um, – you know, like I, I wanted to see how they pulled it off. I wanted to see how they pulled it off. So, you know, I've known Dan Craig for a while, and he's the one that's in charge of, of, of you know, the quality of ice around the National Hockey League. That's been his portfolio. He was the, you know, the guy that that made sure the ice was right in, in Salt Lake City. Um, you know, you know, way way back, uh, you know, was the ice maker at, at Northlands Coliseum. That's how he got started. So, you know, I was, you know, and I spent a lot of time in California, as you know. So I. I, I was there for the the, the run up to it, um, you know, all of the, um, you know, the, the planning that went into it, and it was like, how can you how can you pull this off? Like, how how can you in a warm weather climate pull off an outdoor game and and make sure that you know the you know that your technology isn't overridden by by the elements? So that that was part of it. But the other part of it was that, you know, Dodger Stadium is such a unique institution in 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 you know in, as as a venue, right? So. You know, if you've ever been up there at Chavez Ravine, um, you know, the, the setting is just gorgeous. It is absolutely beautiful, you know. So I remember being out there, and uh, they had a, a skate for the for the writers. I was actually, I think I was the third person to, to step on the ice because the one thing that they didn't want to do because they were, you know, busy making it almost right up to the game, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of um, usage of, of the thing until they played the game. So the, the, I think it was the day before, two days before, so they, they finally pronounced the ice ready to go, and so they had a skate for accredited media and staff, and then they had a they had a kind of an informal hockey game afterwards. You know, Rob Blake played, uh, Luke Robitaille, Glenn Murray, all of the the ex Kings guys, and then you know, and then later you know the teams came on in practice, and then they had the game. And so Brian Hayward and, uh, and I, Brian does the color for the uh, for the Ducks right now, uh, the former NHL goaltender, known him for a long time. We basically you know just skating around there, reminiscing about what it was like to be kids playing outdoors, skating outdoors, and just marveling at what we were seeing. I mean, we were skating over third base, third base Dodger Stadium, right? You know, Ry, Ry Cooter's famous song. So so that was part of it. And then and then they pulled it off without a hitch. I mean, it was a great game. You know, they had Kiss playing in the outfield between the games. I mean, it was it was just one of those things. And, and again, I, I'll harken back to something I said earlier. It, 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 you have to treat it as an experience. And I think that that's how the players treated it. Um, you know, when, 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 when anybody that plays in an outdoor game at the NHL level reflects back on their careers, you know, they'll think about championships won. They'll think about all the successes that they had out but then uh, on the ice. But there'll be those special moments that just, you know, mark your career. And playing an outdoor game at an iconic venue 
is something I think that that will mark players' careers. And uh, you know, and I think that when when all is said and done, and, and you know, the players on on Calgary and Winnipeg have a t- chance to digest it and then kind of get back into the rhythm of the season, then you know, and all of a sudden the games start to run together. You know, at the end of the season, they'll go back and they'll think, yeah, that outdoor game, that was that was something, wasn't it? So I think that's that's partly it. It uh, it hasn't. The novelty has worn off to, to some extent, but but it, it doesn't wear off if you've only ever played in them once or twice. Yep. Well, or ever been uh, to one or have only ever been to one. Like, I went to the one in 2011 at McMahon Stadium. It was a really cool yeah. experience. And, and yeah. so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to being there on Saturday because you don't get these opportunities very often. Exactly. And, Pat, I went to the first one at Edmonton, and, and oh, my goodness. Now, you're going to have a hard time getting me to have fond memories of that because while it was great, again, you know, like these things are also like, like big conventions. You know, when, when, when people from the NHL get together at, at All-Star Games or Stanley Cup Finals or Draft, you know, everyone in the industry comes together. You see people you haven't seen for a long time. So you, you almost, like I say, it's like a, a trade show. In, in, in a lot of ways. And so that was great in Edmonton to see, you know, the, the alumni from those two teams play the game in the afternoon. And then, of course, the game at night where Jose Theater comes out with the, with the toque on the mask. But, but Pat, it was so cold. It was so cold. And, and uh, you know, I remember walking up to the last row of the stadium and interviewing the people that were there. And, and they're all wearing those, you know, those suits that you wear if you work on the pipelines, right? And But, but they hung in there. <clears throat> and I thought that as, you know, as, as much as I admired the players for what they did, it's, it was almost harder for, to be a spectator there because uh, you can only sort of stand up and stamp your feet for a certain length of time. So, you know, th- that to me is the one thing that can spoil an outdoor game experience if the weather is just so um, difficult that, you know, it, it, it's hard to, to enjoy it. So that one was, was more of a test of the stamina of, of the fan base, I think, than, than anything else, whereas... You know, I think the, the whole point of scheduling this at the end of October and not the middle of January is, you know, you don't worry too much about extreme temperatures. Now, the wind, uh, the wind will be interesting. The wind will be interesting. Now, the stadium, I think the design uh, is such that it will mitigate a little bit because it, it's, a, it's kind of sunken in uh, the, the, where, the, where the arena is being dropped in is a little bit protected, but, but I'm not sure if it'll be completely protected either. So we'll get a, a chance to inspect the uh, the uh, the ice and talk to the players uh, about it tomorrow after they they practice on it and it'll be interesting to get you know everybody's reports about you know what they see and 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 how they're adjusting to it good stuff mr dehatchik glad you're safe and sound in regina i will see you there tomorrow my man have fun tonight all right thank you pat and looking forward to seeing you out here Absolutely. He's Eric Dehatchek from The Athletic. Joins us Tuesdays and Thursdays on Sportsnet 960. The fan a little later today. Uh, he joins Hockey Central at noon, Tuesdays, Thursdays at 1230. And he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. That'll do it for the Steinberg Show on this Thursday game day from the Saddledome. Up next, it's Pinder and Steinberg. And don't forget, Wednesdays, the Bow show brought to you by SML Entertainment making family more uh, making family time more exciting with pool tables pinball ping pong beachcomber and caldera hot tubs and more visit smlentertainment.com we're kicking off Pinder and Steinberg with a tough matchup for the Flames and some potential line changes in just minutes that's next on sports that 960 the fan this Steinberg show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House it's Volksfest purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com.